Welcome, everybody. Today, we have the pleasure to have uh, with us uh, Dr. Madelong de Jong uh, from the Department of Hematology, uh, Erasmus Medical Center, Cancer Institute uh, from uh, Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Uh, Madelong, first of all, thank you very much for accepting our invitation. I'm thrilled to talk about your uh, paper today. And uh, how are you, first of all? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. This is such a cool initiative. I think, you know, for young hematologists to hear about science this, you know, easily and just, you know, put in your headphones and listen to it. That's great. I really love it. Yeah, we are trying to make uh, your paper digestible for all our <laughs> early career tra trainee. Uh, it's such a nice paper that was uh, recently published in uh, uh, Nature Immunology. And uh, the main focus is the uh, tumor microenvironment of uh, multiple myeloma. So first of all, can we define the concept of uh, tumor microenvironment, uh, what it is, uh, why it's so important in uh, cancer overall, and in particular in multiple myeloma? Yeah, um, sure. So the, the tumor microenvironment, it's, it's kind of like um, the ecosystem that directly surrounds the tumor within the organ. Um, so, so in the bone marrow, it consists of, of all the other types of cells that are there, like the progenitors, uh, you know, the blood-forming cells, the immune cells, but also cells that form the bone, like osteoblasts, osteoclasts, cells that form the vessels and arterial cells, uh, and mesenchymal stromal cells. Um, but on the other hand, the microenvironment, it's just not, not just cellular, it's also like the non-cellular compartments, uh, you know, like the extracellular matrix, growth factor, cytokine. So it's the entirety of that. And so the tumor and all these other cells, they are closely related usually, and they are also interacting. And this, this interaction can go both ways. So on the one hand, the myeloma cell can impact the microenvironment. You know, a very well-known um, example of that is that it promotes angiogenesis, um, but also that it induces immune tolerance. And the other way around, so the microenvironment can help the tumor by providing uh, survival factors, growth factors, um, or also, you know, helping to, to induce the immune tolerance, but it can also attack the tumor uh, by mounting an anti-tumor response. And, and so in myeloma, this, the microenvironment has been studied quite well, actually. So many interactions have been described between myeloma cells on the one hand and stromal cells on the other hand, microenvironmental cells. Uh, and well-known ones, I think, are myeloma cells that are activating osteoclasts, yeah, which induce these, these bone lesions that myeloma patients have, uh, but also by inhibiting the T-cell response by expressing checkpoint molecules. And um, if I can add something, actually, um, we only require 10% uh, uh, as a threshold of plasma cell for defining yeah. a multiple myeloma. And then we evaluate clinically the burden of a, a clinical manifestation. So this speaks itself on uh, um, how much the microenvironment is uh, exactly is the focus of your research uh, is important in uh, uh, multiple myeloma, given that the bulk of the disease itself exactly. is not that important. Yeah. And like, uh, if I think about other kind of disorders uh, uh, in hematology, where like the threshold uh, is uh, uh, higher. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely something that uh, it's important to remember. Yeah, good point. Indeed. Yeah. 
So can you guide us through the design of your study? Uh, what did you explore and uh, which technique did you use? Yeah, so, so we were interested specifically in, in one uh, microenvironmental cell, which is the mesenchymal mosromal cell. And um, this usually abbreviated to MSC. So you'll hear me using this abbreviation also when I talk about it. So uh, in myeloma, what people have shown that in in vitro experiments, if you culture these stromal cells and then you add myeloma cells, um, they survive much better than if you culture myeloma cells without stroma. And I think that because these stromal cells, they're expressing interleukin-6, which is a, a quite a well-known cytokine, uh, which is important in plasma cell survival, also when cells are non-malignant. So of course, you and I also have plasma cells in our bone marrow. Interleukin-6 helps them to survive and mesenchymal stromal cells provide this. And, and what people also saw is that if you co-culture mesenchymal stromal cells with myeloma cells, they adhere to each other. So they really you know, grasp each other. And this again also reduces the apoptosis that myeloma cells may undergo. So it seems that stromal cells are really, really important to keep these myeloma cells alive. And so as such, they would make quite an attractive you know, target for therapeutics to help uh, treat these patients. Um, the problem here is that the exact identity of the stromal cells that are helping the tumor is still quite unclear. So that was basically our research question. Like, if we look at the mesenchymal stromal cell compartment in the myeloma bone marrow, is it altered compared to uh, non-diseased bone marrows? And if so, how are they altered? And so to answer these questions, we took advantage of you know, a technique that many labs have been using now, single cell RNA sequencing. Um, and, and what we specifically done in this paper is that we sorted the complete non-hematopoietic niche, because what we didn't want was to specifically, you know, based on one marker, isolate the mesenchymal stromal cells. It's quite biased, of course and then uh, look at changes in, in, in those cells. We rather wanted to be as unbiased as possible. And what we did is we took these bone marrow aspirates from patients, and then we sorted the non-microenvironmental niche by just excluding everything else. So we excluded the tumor, which is CD38 positive. We excluded hematopoietic cells by CD45, and we excluded like erythroid cells with CD235A and CD71. And, and, and then we did single cell RNA sequencing using 10X genomics from these cells. And we did this for uh, 13 patients with newly diagnosed myeloma, and about half was hyperdiploid, and the other half had translocations, and seven non-cancer controls. Nice, I see. And uh, so you started uh, with examining the composition of the human non-hematopoietic uh, bone marrow niche. As you say, the niche is like... Uh, uh, the word says microenvironment. So there's like a lot of things going on, a lot of cells that like uh, are compre uh, are um, inside this uh, house. So uh, what did you find? Like uh, what were uh, the conclusion uh, that uh, you could draw after this uh, first uh, determination of, bo of uh, bone marrow non-hematopoietic niche? Yeah, so in the, indeed, we started to just um, first make a data set of everything together. So myeloma patients controls just to get a good overview of what a non-hematopoietic niche in an aspirate looks like. And what we found is that this, this niche or microenvironment, you were right, I use these terms intermingly. Um, so they're primarily existing of these mesenchymal stromal cells. And we could identify these quite easily using uh, genes like leptin receptor, CXL12, accelerant matrix proteins like collagens, 
Um, but that was really the bulk of the non-hemotopoietic niche. We also found some endothelial cells which were expressing B. cadherin, and some very small cluster of osteolinear cells. Uh, but of course, these were aspirates, not biopsies, so we didn't have a whole lot of bone. And a small cluster of endothelial-like cells, which were expressing P-selectin, but they were not quite endothelial cells. So actually, the verdict on what they are is still kind of out. Um, but we were, uh, you know, particularly interested in these mesenchymal stromal cells. And um, in, there were five clusters in total. So the cluster is like cells that are very similar to each other. Um, and meaning there were slight distinctions between the mesenchymal stromal cells in the in these aspirates, but more most likely they were uh, due to slight differences in, in gene expression. But what we saw is that about 50% of these mesenchymal cells was quite inflammatory. Uh, and it, as it turned out, these clusters were only present in myeloma patients. Okay, so, and how did you identify these uh, myeloma-specific uh, inflammatory mesenchymal stromal cells? Uh, what are their uh, characteristics by virtue of which you were able to distinguish them uh, from like the rest counterpart? And uh, um, you were talking about aspirate, but were you also able to specially locate them? Did you perform any uh, core biopsy experiments? Yeah, these are great questions. So uh, the, the first one, how did I, or we identify these inflammatory stromal cells? So I have to be honest, this was actually kind of the easy part because simply what I did is just split up the projection of our data set uh, of the myeloma patients and the controls in like the two conditions. So I had the myeloma cells on one hand and the controls on the other hand. And actually like the, the conclusion was kind of, you know, looking us in the face, it was super black and white. There was these two clusters of stromal cells that were just present in myeloma and virtually absent in, in controls. And, and these two clusters of MSCs, um, they were uh, interesting to us because, first of all, they were expressing these survival factors that I mentioned, you know, earlier on in our chat, like interleukin-6, uh, but also LIF, which is like a family member of interleukin-6, both help plasma cells to survive. But we call them inflammatory, these stromal cells, because they were expressing all kinds of genes that are associated with inflammation. So they were expressing genes uh, that were involved in chemotaxis of other cells, so chemokines, um, many of them, too many of them to list, to be fair, um, but also genes that were uh, associated with um, the modulation of the T cell response, uh, for example, PTGS2, which encodes COX2. Um, so in general, these MSCs were just very different transcriptomically uh, than the non-inflammatory MSCs. And so regarding your question about spatial location, so very conveniently for us, um, this, these inflammatory stromal cells also had very specific increased transcription of a molecule that is called CD44. And CD44 is an, is an adherence molecule. It can be expressed on all types of cells. But uh, within the field of solid cancers, people have um, specifically shown that this marker is very up, much upregulated on cancer-associated fibroblasts. So it seems very specific for stromal cells that are associated with cancer, which is also the case, of course, here. Um, but it's also a surface uh, marker, so that's very nice to use, you know, with flow cytometry, immunofluorescence, to detect these cells uh, rather than just having to lean on transcriptome. And so when we performed immunofluorescence, we, we took Indeed, as you mentioned, we took biopsies rather than aspirates of patients and then stained for these inflammatory MSCs using CXL12, which is 
staining all the MSCs, and then also CD44, which is specific for this inflammatory uh, stromal cell. And what we saw indeed is that they're, they're kind of like scattered throughout the bone marrow, um, in, in, at least in myeloma patients. And usually they're located quite closely with myeloma cells, but also with T cells. Although I have to be fair and also point out that there were definitely also myeloma cells and T cells without an inflammatory stromal cell in their, in their near them. And then when we looked at you know, biopsies from control patients, we barely saw any. So that was very nicely in line with our single cell data. Okay. So what is the main reason, in your opinion, uh, and from your data for the appearance of these uh, inflammatory mesenchymal uh, um, stromal cells and uh, what happens in the bone marrow uh, immunological milieu of uh, a patient with a newly diagnosed uh, multiple myeloma? Yeah, so, so this, this is where it kind of becomes interesting, I think, because when we looked at these clusters of inflammatory mesenchymal stromal cells, there were two in total. We saw that one had really high transcription of all these inflammatory genes, and one had more like, um, like an in, in intermediate transcription level of these genes, still higher than non-inflammatory stromal cells though. Right. And um, many, also many of these inflammatory genes, they were uh, associated with NF-kappa B signaling. I think most people will be familiar with, NF with the NF-kappa B pathway, but this is a very well-known pathway that's involved in like a cellular response to external stimuli. And so combining this, we started thinking that maybe the appearance of these inflammatory stromal cells were the result of activation. And um, we also performed an in silico analysis, it's called pseudotime analysis, and it also kind of predicted this hypothesis because it showed us that it seems that inflammatory stromal cells uh, come out from non-inflammatory stromal cells. And to test this hypothesis also outside, you know, uh, uh, transcriptomic data, we, we took mesenchymal stromal cells from bone marrow aspirates, from uh, patients, and cultured the cells for a few passages and then stimulated them with um, like canonical NF-kappa-B stimulators like TNF and IL-1B. And, and this led to the stromal cells acquiring the inflammatory phenotype that we saw earlier in the single cell data. Um, like they operated these chemokines, YAU6, LIF, etc. And the same was the case for actually if we isolated stromal cells from controls. So it seemed it was not just specifically something that we could do to myeloma stromal cells. Um, and, and, and interestingly, IL-1B, uh, one of the NF-kappa-B stimulators, it's elevated at the protein level in, in the bone marrow supernatant of patients with myeloma. Um, and not just IL-1B seems to be elevated when we look transcriptionally for TNF, we also saw subpopulations of T cells. We also have a single cell data set of immune cells. There we saw uh, an increased transcriptional levels of TNF in various populations of, of T cells. So it seems that the bone marrow of myeloma patients is just yeah, quite inflamed. And, and leading this leads to the appearance of these inflammatory stromal cells that we see in myeloma. And how do you define uh, uh, the intertwine between uh, the actual plasma cells and these uh, um, structural uh, and microenvironment, the myeloma-specific inflammatory mesenchymal stromal cells? Yeah, so, so this... It, Interaction could potentially go both ways, of course. So on the one hand, if we looked at myeloma cells, we did not see expression of TNF or IL-1B or any like putative NF-kappa-B activator, suggesting that at least these myeloma cells do not appear to directly stimulate 
stromal cells to become inflammatory. But of course, you know, their presence in the bone marrow, it affects them, it impacts the bone marrow, it becomes inflammatory in general, it, uh, it, it, it um, modulates immune microenvironments, there's a lot of destruction going on of extracellular matrix, so they can potentially activate these stromal cells indirectly by just their presence. Um, but the other way around, I think, is, is even more interesting because as I already mentioned, these inflammatory mesenchymal cells, they transcribe uh, these survival factors, interleukin-6, LIF, so they may aid in survival of the tumor. But also when we did um, like a, a specific in silico analysis that looked at receptor ligand interactions between inflammatory stromal cells and also non-inflammatory stromal cells uh, on the one hand and myeloma cells on the other hand, what we saw was that there was quite a specific interaction between these inflammatory stromal cells and myeloma cells that are proliferating. And this interaction was um, expression of CCR2 on the myeloma cells and its ligand, so it's, it's the chemokine was produced by, by the stromal cells, CCL2. Did you look at modification of this uh, complex uh, relationship uh, uh, upon treatment? Uh, uh, did you study patient after um, uh, induction treatment, for example, for uh, uh, myeloma and uh, uh, can you explain us what you found? Yes, yeah, we did that. So, so we were lucky to have access to paired bone marrow aspirates from patients that were included in the HOVON 131. So this is also called the Cassiopeia trial. Mm -hmm. And this, this study compares, uh, I don't know how familiar people are with it, but it compares patients that are treated with protezomib, thalidomide, and dexamethasone with or without teratumumab. Um, and from 13 patients, we, we had large enough paired samples from them at diagnosis and after indeed uh, induction therapy. So the first four cycles of four weeks. And, and in this part, rather than using single cell sequencing, we wanted to use bulk RNA sequencing um, just because it's easier, uh, it's more high throughput, um, it's cheaper, so we could do more patients. And by now we are already established what we thought would have to be the biggest difference between the two. So the, in the first part, we optimized this, this technique to use for this question. So we purified MSCs from aspirates uh, by sorting uh, them and then uh, perform, performed bulk sequencing on MSCs from patients, newly diagnosed patients and controls. And then in line with our single cell data, we again found these increased transcription of all these inflammatory genes. So meaning we could use bulk RNA sequencing to pick up this inflammatory signature. So we have continued with comparing the transcriptomes of uh, these paired samples of patients, the MSCs of patients at diagnosis and the MSCs of patients after induction treatment. Uh, and what we observed actually was that there was no difference whatsoever, meaning that um, MSCs in the bone marrow after induction treatment were still exhibiting signs of inflammation. And it didn't matter if these patients became MRD positive, uh, sorry, MRD negative. Um, so even if the tumor was gone, they were still inflamed. And it also didn't matter whether or not these patients got Dara tumumab. Um, so inflammatory stromal cells were just still there after, after treatment. And this means that at least induction treatments could not refer to the stromal inflammation. And, and currently we are actually in the process, so this is still unpublished data. We are in the process of seeing, you know, what happens to these inflammatory stromal cells after stem cell transplant, after um, consolidation and maintenance in relapse, et cetera. That would be nice to 
see your uh, data in the future. We're yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So do you think that the, the conclusion and the advance in the field uh, um, uh, that you uh, can draw from your study can be also applicable or amenable to be applicable to other uh, diseases in hematology, specifically those that have like a um, enriched signature for um, inflammation? And uh, if yes, why? Yeah, I think, yes, absolutely. So uh, in the bone marrow, inflammation and its effect on stem cell biology has already been described, I think, quite a number of years ago. Um, and, and within our department too, you know, people are looking at the stromal compartment and seeing inflammation in AML, in MDS, in, in myelofibrosis. So it's it's kind of a, you know, a theme. And I think what is nice is that we are starting to step off this idea that inflammation is just reactive. You know, it can also be orchestrative um, because we have found, you know, in, not just in hematology, but also in solid cancers that just low-grade inflammation, it helps the tumors generally. And, and um, regarding your other question, so honestly, I think that maybe we in the hematology field are quite behind on the idea of stromal inflammation compared to other fields. Um, because I, I think, so I, I tried to look this up this afternoon but the cancer-associated fibroblast in solid cancers, I think it's been described already a decade ago, at least. Um, and, and since then, people have been you know, publishing very nice studies in which they show how these cells modulate the immune response, how they have a pro-tumor function, uh, how they're generally devastating to the prognosis. Um, and also outside of cancer, so for example, rheumatoid arthritis, stromal cells are usually quite has inflammatory stroma so yeah stromal inflammation seems to be really everywhere yeah and um, i mean we know also besides hematology that like in uh, solid cancer as you said like the link with inflammation not so underlying inflammation sometimes like uh, is um, a linchpin in the predisposition to development yeah. of uh, yeah. cancer, for example, colon cancer, to yeah. cite the one. So now, very, a curiosity, why did you decide <laughs> to study these uh, aspect of uh, myelomology and uh, which were the determinants of the success of uh, your research work, in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah, so I would love to sit here and be like, oh, well, you know, I worked on stromal cells because I felt there was something there. But really all of the, like, um, how do you say that? Like, uh, the credits should go to my supervisor, Tom Cupedo, who is, you know, a brilliant scientific mind. And, and he has worked on, on stromal cells in, in many areas, actually. Um, but he started working on stromal cells in myeloma because in, in Erasmus MSA, we have really an impressive biobank of of aspirates from patients with myeloma. So there was an opportunity there also. And um, yeah, I remember very well when I was shopping around for PhDs and I also met up with Tom and um, because I knew him for my master's and I, I thought he was a nice guy. So I met up with him. I have to be honest, I didn't want to do a PhD in hematology in the first place uh, because I'm an immunologist at my core. So that was already like, okay, well, you know, I'll go and talk to him. And then he started talking about stromal cells and I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know about that, but his enthusiasm was completely infectious. And uh, I mean, as it turned out, you know, we did great work on stromal cell in myeloma, so he was right. Um, so yeah, I cannot take the credit for it. I wish I could, but I really can't. Um, and, and so the success of the paper, um, yeah, I think it's, it's twofold. So the first thing is, 
what I already mentioned, this biobank that we have at RSMC is amazing. So something to keep in mind is that these stromal cells in aspirates are super, super scarce. It's, they're like 0.02% or something like that. So you need really big samples to have a proper look at them. And we are lucky enough to have these kind of samples. And that's not trivial at all. I mean, that's, I don't think there's a nicer biobank, to be honest, for myeloma samples than we have at RSMC. So that was very important in, in the success of this paper. And, and the other thing, you know, it's always a bit stupid to say, it, but I'm going to say it anyway, is really it was luck also. Because when we split this data set, I remember very well when we first split the single cell data set in controls and myeloma, the, the difference was so black and white. I've never seen a single cell paper with such a black and white difference. Uh, we were flabbergasted when we saw it. It was so amazing. And this was, I mean, this is just something that you cannot predict, really. It just happened to us. So, yeah, luck is definitely, it was definitely a factor also. <laughs> oh, good to know. And uh, it's also important to emphasize, as you say, the guidance received from like uh, uh, good mentors, so good mentorship and uh, the um, uh, power to envision a uh, 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 well-designed biorepository because like only this way translational research studies can be done and yeah. perform uh, all the experiments that uh, you will need. Yeah, samples are pivotal indeed, yeah. Yes, so I want to thank you on behalf of the EBMT training committee. Uh, for um, uh, having presented your work with us today. And um, I hope to see you like maybe when you will have <laughs> more data in the future. <laughs> I hope so. This was fun, you know, really great job on organizing this. Um, I look forward to checking out the future podcasts too. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>